Now that we've had our May procession, we'll spend just a few minutes looking at a few of the ways that the Blessed Virgin Mary is prefigured in the Old Testament. So this morning we'll just consider a few of the types of the Blessed Virgin that we see in the Old Testament. Before we start, let's make sure we all remember what the word type means. Remember, a type is a person, a thing, or an action that actually exists, but it's also intended by God to prefigure, foreshadow a future person, thing, or action. So a type is a person, thing, or action that actually does exist, but is also intended by God to prefigure or foreshadow a future person, thing, or action. Okay, that being said, let's consider just a few of the types of the Blessed Virgin found in the Old Testament. We'll start in the book of Genesis with a prophecy, and then we'll see partial fulfillments of that as types. In the book of Genesis, we see the first prophecy of the Blessed Virgin Mary in Genesis 3.15, when right after the fall, the Lord God speaks to the serpent, quote, I'll put enmities between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. She shall crush thy head, and thou shalt lie in wait for her heel. Close the quote. And we begin to see prophetic partial fulfillments of this prophecy, which point forward to the perfect fulfillment of Our Lady. For example, in the book of Judges, we see Jael. It's a woman who saved the people of Israel. And how'd she do that? By pounding a tent stake through the head of the enemy general. She crushed his head. Later in the book, we also see the woman who saved Israel when she dropped an upper millstone on the head of another enemy general. So she crushed his head. And then in the book of Judith, we see Judith who saves Israel when she cuts off the head of an enemy general. Again, we see the woman crushing the head of the enemy. Now, in each one of these cases, there are at least three types. We've noticed this before. Obviously, Israel really exists of itself, but Israel is also intended by God to prefigure the Catholic Church. So Israel is a type of the Catholic Church, okay? The enemy generals actually existed, but they were also intended by God to prefigure, represent Satan and the enemies of the church. So the enemy generals were types of the devil. And the woman who crushed the head of the enemy generals really existed too, but they were also intended by God to prefigure her. And you can notice what Our Lady is doing here. You can't see it very well the way that altar is built, but if you, if you walk around on either side of it and take a look at it, she's standing there crushing the head of the serpent. There's a serpent there. So when we consider these women and what they did for Israel, we can see foreshadowings of Our Lady and what she does for the Catholic Church, okay? After Jael cuts off the head of the sleeping enemy general, she's praised by Deborah, who says, quote, Blessed among women be Jael, the wife of Heer the Canite, and blessed be she in her tent. Close quote. That sounds familiar. After Judith cuts off the head of the sleeping enemy general, then she's praised by the prince of Israel, who says, quote, Blessed art thou, O daughter, by the Lord the Most High God, above all women on the earth. Close quote. Again, that should sound familiar. And the reason those kind of praises sound familiar, of course, is those praises are just foreshadowings of the Archangel Gabriel's praise of Our Lady when he says, Blessed art thou amongst women. Let's turn to another example. In the divine office, now that's the Psalms, the scripture readings, the prayers, and the hymns that priests and religious pray a good number of times every day. On the divine office for the Feast of the Immaculate Conception, we can find another foreshadowing of Our Lady. There's a prophecy taken from chapter 44 in the book of the prophet Ezekiel, and it speaks of the eastern gate of the temple. Quote, This gate shall be shut, it shall not be opened, and no man shall pass through it, because the Lord God of Israel hath entered in by it, 
and it shall be shut for the prince. The prince himself shall sit in it. Close quote, inspired, inerrant word of God. Cornelius Lapide, a great Jesuit who lived 400 years ago, summarized the teachings of the fathers in his great scripture commentary. It's his massive work with the teachings of the fathers on every line in scripture. He died before he had Job and the Psalms done. So Psalms were done by St. Robert Bellarmine, and Job was done by another uh, Jesuit. But this massive, massive uh, work. Anyway, he has two full pages in really fine print commenting on this prophecy. Here's a tiny selection. I just translated uh, two little excerpts. Quote, all the fathers, all the fathers state that the literal sense of this prophecy So all the fathers state that the literal sense of this prophecy is that this closed gate is a blessed Virgin Mary in which the prince, that is Christ the Lord, sits. When having been conceived of her most pure flesh, he lived for nine months in her sacred womb as if it were his own dwelling place and temple. And the phrase, it, the closed gate, shall be shut for the prince, means that even when the prince passes through it, the gate shall be closed and shall remain closed. From this it is obvious that it is de fide, it means it's of the faith. The Blessed Virgin was and remained ever virgin. Because here it is said that even to the prince himself, namely Christ, the gate would remain closed. Close quotes, according to the Salapide. Finally, let's consider an Old Testament type that's reminiscent of our May procession today. And that's the Ark of the Covenant. Remember that the Ark was a golden box built to the exact specifications handed down to Moses by God contained a number of items, including the two tablets containing the Word of God. It's the Ten Commandments. They're carved in stone by God himself. It contained a jar full of manna, this miracle bread that had fallen from heaven. and also contained the rod of Aaron, which had blossomed. The ark had a golden lid, this mercy seat, which had two cherubim on it, sitting over it. When the ark of the Lord was placed in the holy place, whether it was in the tabernacle, remember that's the movable tent structure that they used for worship before they built the temple. So when it was placed in the Holy of Holies, whether it was in the, in the tabernacle or laid in the temple, the glory cloud of the Lord would come down to rest above the mercy seat, that golden lid of the ark. And the ark was so holy it couldn't even be touched. Remember what happened to Oza when King David was moving the ark up to Jerusalem. They put it on a cart by sliding these golden-covered poles through rings on the side of the ark and picking it up and setting it on the cart because he couldn't touch it. But then as they were hauling, it looked like the ark was going to slip off the cart. So Oza reached out to steady it, and he was struck dead right then and there for having touched it. Okay, so what does any of that have to do with the Blessed Virgin Mary? Well, to summarize this, we'll rely in large measure on a little chart I have called the Blessed Virgin Mary as the Ark of the Covenant. In the Old Testament... The glory cloud of the Lord overshadowed the Ark of the Covenant. Quote, Then the cloud covered the tabernacle of testimony, and the glory of the Lord filled it. Neither could Moses go into the tabernacle of the covenant, the cloud covering all things, and the majesty of the Lord shining, for the cloud had covered all. For the cloud of the Lord hung over the tabernacle by day and a fire by night, in the sight of all the children of Israel throughout all their journeys. Close quote, Exodus 40. In the New Testament, the glory of the Lord overshadowed Our Lady. Luke chapter 1, quote, Hail full of grace, the Lord is with thee, dot, dot, dot. The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the Most High shall overshadow thee. Close quote, St. Gabriel the Archangel. In the Old Testament, the ark contained the Ten Commandments, the Word of God carved in stone by God himself, a jar full of manna, this bread which had fallen down from heaven, and the rod of Aaron, which having been dead wood, 
nevertheless had miraculously blossomed back into life. In the New Testament, the Blessed Virgin Mary held the Word of God made flesh, the living bread which came down from heaven for the life of the world, and interestingly enough, according to the prophecy of Jeremiah 23, verse 5 and following, one of the prophetic titles of the coming Messiah, that little baby contained within the womb of the Blessed Virgin Mary, one of the prophetic titles of the coming Messiah was the righteous branch. So she contained within herself the righteous branch who came to die, but then miraculously came back to life. In the Old Testament, the ark was carried to the hill country of Judah, quote, And David arose and went with all the people who were with him from Baal of Judah to ring up from there the ark of God, close quote, 2 Kings 6. In the New Testament, quote, And Mary, rising up in those days, went into the hill country with haste into a city of Judah, close quote, Luke 1. In the Old Testament, David greets the ark with shouts of joy. In the New Testament, Elizabeth greets Mary with a shout of joy. And the very Greek word used here for Elizabeth's greeting is, quote, very rare and only used when referring to Old Testament liturgical ceremonies centered around the ark, close quote. In the Old Testament, David leaps and dances before the ark while clothed in a priestly vestment that's called an ephod, quote, and David danced with all his might before the Lord, and David was girded with a linen ephod, close quote, 2 Kings 6. In the New Testament, when Our Lady enters the house of Elizabeth, St. John the Baptist, who is a member of the priestly tribe, leaps for joy in Elizabeth's womb. In the Old Testament, quote, And David was afraid of the Lord that day, saying, How shall the ark of the Lord come to me? Close quote, 2 Kings chapter 6. In the New Testament, Elizabeth asks, quote, And whence is this to me, that their mother, my Lord, shall come to me? Close quote, Luke chapter 1. In the Old Testament, quote, The ark of the Lord abode in the house of Obed-Edom the Gethite for three months. And the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. Close quote. In the New Testament, quote, and Mary abode with her, Elizabeth, about three months, close quote. And of course, as Elizabeth herself says, she sees her house as blessed. In the Old Testament, when the ark was being carried, it was covered. It was covered with a cloth veil. Now just guess what color the veil is. Quote, when the camp is to set out, Aaron and his son shall go in and cover the ark of the testimony with a cloth, olive blue. Close quote, Numbers 4, 5, and 6. And in the New Testament, St. John sees the Ark of the Covenant in the heavenly temple as the woman that we see right here in this. You can see it up there, the image of Our Lady Guadalupe, or the little one right here. He sees the Ark of the Covenant in the heavenly temple as the woman. Quote, And the temple of God was opened in heaven, and the Ark of His Testament was seen in His temple. And there were lightnings and voices and an earthquake and great hail, and a great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and on her head a crown of twelve stars. Close quote, the Apocalypse of St. John. Okay. So before we close, let's quickly review. We've taken a quick look, a really quick look, at several different Old Testament types of the Blessed Virgin Mary. First, the women of the Old Testament who saved the people of God by crushing the heads of the enemy generals, foreshadow Our Lady and what she does for the people of God. Second, the prophecy, the beautiful gate of the temple, which is closed even when the prince passes through it, which foreshadows Our Lady's perpetual virginity. And finally, we consider the Ark of the Covenant as a foreshadowing of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Let's close with the beautiful prayer of St. Maximilian Mary Colby. You can all unite yourself with me as I pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. O Immaculate Queen of heaven and earth, refuge of sinners and our most loving mother, 
whom God has made the treasure of his mercy. I, an unworthy sinner, throw myself at your most holy feet and humbly beseech you to accept me whole and entire as your property. To you, O Mother, I offer all the faculties of my soul and body, and I place my life, my death, my eternity in your hands, that you may use my entire being according to your will. Use me, O Immaculate Virgin, as you will to fulfill that which was written of you. She shall crush your head, and you have destroyed all heresies throughout the world. Deign that I may become in your most pure and merciful hands a useful instrument to make you known and loved by so many erring and indifferent souls, and also to increase as much as possible the number of those who truly admire and love you, in order that the kingdom of the most sacred heart of Jesus may be spread throughout the world. This I can do, O Most Holy Mother Immaculate, only with your help, for wherever you bestow your grace, there alone can the conversion and sanctification of souls be achieved, and there alone can the kingdom of the most sacred heart of Jesus be established. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen.